The ladies departed at last, the port was brought out, and the room filled up with the fug of cigar smoke. What the devil's the matter? asked Sir Charles in an undertone when they were at the sideboard together. So much for his powers of concealment, thought Antony ruefully. Nothing, he said shortly. Mutton doesn't agree with me. He didn't know why strong emotion should look like indigestion, but it seemed to satisfy Sir Charles. How on earth he got through the next half hour or so he didn't know. He seemed to be existing on four levels. On the surface he chatted politely, he could hear himself doing it. Next he wondered what he was going to say to Tara O'Brien. At the same time he passionately wanted to get out into the fresh air and think, but most of all he had the aching desire to see Josette again. Eventually, thank goodness, Shurston decided it was time to go into the drawing-room. Antony got to his feet with relief, but Sir Charles called him back with an almost imperceptible flick of his eyes. "'Have you got the diamonds?' he asked softly. Antony nodded. "'Good,' said Sir Charles. "'Watch for your cue and follow my lead. See what you can get out of Miss O'Brien about Kavanagh.' They followed Shurston across the hall and into the drawing-room. Josette was there. He watched hungrily as she flicked a wisp of fair hair over her perfect earlobe. The sight of her didn't make him happy. She seemed so utterly out of reach. Vice, the butler, brought in coffee and Josette busied herself with pouring it out. Standing in front of the hearth, Shurston, Sir Charles, General Harker, Dr. Morpeth, and the other men were discussing Gallipoli. Mrs. Moulton was holding forth on the problems besetting the village sewing circle, a discussion in which Josette showed a surprising degree of technical knowledge about which fabric was suitable for what purpose, and Veronica O'Brien was buried behind a magazine. Tara handed Antony a cup of coffee. Mindful of his instructions, Antony followed her to the sofa and sat down beside her. He was casting around for a way to bring up Kavanagh's name when she solved the problem for him. Colonel, she said tentatively. Uncle Patrick said you knew Terry Kavanagh. He nodded. She ran her finger round the top of her coffee cup, obviously bracing herself. How did he die? Antony was prepared for this. Out of the corner of his eye he could see that although Veronica O'Brien was still apparently deep in her magazine, her body had stiffened in attention. Although Tara was unaware of it, Veronica O'Brien was listening keenly. It was in Germany, he said, seeing how Mrs. O'Brien's fingers tightened on the magazine. Tara gave a little cry of surprise. Germany? What was he doing there? He was reporting for an American paper, I think, said Antony casually. This was the story he and Sir Charles had worked out. He injured his foot in an accident, I believe, and died of blood poisoning. At least, that's what I heard. The fingers on the magazine relaxed. Tara's face twisted in compassion. Poor Terry, she murmured. I liked him, although... She broke off. Antony's mind worked quickly. Shurston had told them that Kavanagh was related to his sister's family, that it was his sister who had made his acquaintance, but 
It wasn't Veronica O'Brien who wanted to know about Kavanagh, it was Tara. Kavanagh had, according to Sherston, presumed on the relationship. Did that mean an affair with Tara? Sherston obviously cared about Tara deeply, and a fifty-odd-year-old ex-ranch hand with no fixed income or position wouldn't be anyone's ideal choice for a young girl from a wealthy family. How did you meet him? asked Antony gently. He came to stay here for a few days. My mother met him at a charity function in London, and it turned out he was a relation of my father's, so naturally he was invited to stay. My father's been dead for years, and it was nice to meet someone from his side of the family. Antony's eyes widened. A charity? This sounded promising. Which one? he asked.